1: Hi, I'm Dan. And I'm Mike. So welcome to season two of 15-Minute Film Fanatics, the podcast where two lifelong friends and film fans sit and talk about movies for the first time. Uh, This week, Mike and I are going to continue, so to speak, a conversation from our last episode was where Mike uh, and I talked about Badlands and Mike made an allusion to Taxi Driver and said it was very similar. And I said, these movies have nothing to do. And Mike laid down the gauntlet again, as he did earlier this season with um, Sea of Love, and we're here now to, to not so much talk about Badlands anymore, but as a continuation, so to speak, of the last episode. And Taxi Driver is, of course, a great movie to watch. Um, it occurred to me for this week that, Mike, how funny is it that like all the conversations we've had, I sort of laugh and I'm like, we never talked about Taxi Driver. Isn't that weird? Yeah. No, yeah. I never, I don't even
0: know how it came up. And we've done we've done other work by Scorsese. I feel like we've almost mentioned Taxi Driver um, because one of our first episodes um, was on The Irishman. Yeah. And, our very and first. We, Right, our very first, and we, we had discussed Scorsese being um, director emeritus. Yes, that was um, a
1: great and mind. and
0: you know, yeah, if that's true, this is I feel where he uh, where he earned the the original spot. You know, yes, this, this, is, is, this is this is it for me as far yeah, as Scorsese. This concerned. is what I the love raging was conferred.
1: Yeah, I absolutely.
0: love Raging Bull. Um, I think a lot of his uh, earlier stuff is great. We've talked before about King of Comedy, um, and some other and some other movies, um, but Taxi Driver is incomparably brilliant.
1: Yeah. And you know, what's funny was I, I've seen it. So like, you know, you and I have seen this movie a billion times. The last time I saw it was probably about 10 years ago. And watching it this time, it occurred to me how fast it moves because you don't think the mm-hmm. taxi drive is a fast moving movie, but you turn it on and it's, it's over as soon as you start because I think it's so compelling.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think what it does really well, and I've seen um, both Scorsese and Schrader talk about this in different Different interviews is it tries uh, to enter a dream state or some kind of fugue state, right. um, which you know Scorsese's line is that's what movies are, right? They're hallucinations. And certainly this movie is hallucinatory. But the, the, the point of taxi driver, part of the way that taxi driver works is to draw you into Travis's mind and to have you take on his uh, wills and desires uh, and cares and concerns. Sure. So I think, I think that's part of why it works so fast.
1: And also, last time you said, I think the reason we started bickering last week was that you said something like, uh, "Well, it, you know, the camera glides around and New York is beautiful." I mean, just yeah. to clarify, New York is not beautiful in this movie. I, this movie is not a, is not an "I love New York" movie.
0: I I can't I can't buy that because because part of the reason, like, let's start with Travis as a compelling character. Um, you know, just to air air it out. There's there's a couple of groups of people that like Taxi Driver. And one group of people that like Taxi Driver, whether they understand or not, are, are dumb undergraduates because there's a lot of violence and a lot of, um, there's a lot of stuff in this movie that draws people to it. But I think that Travis is a compelling character for people, the same reason that the camera loves New York, which is, it's there's, there is something gross about it, but it's also strangely compelling. It's something that you can't turn your eyes away. Like, I understand what you're saying about the, about the steam coming up, but there's no reason to have the camera um, lovingly linger over that stuff and make sure to capture every single detail and turn the lights of the, um, of the dirty movie theater uh, into like a, ne- a neon halo haze uh, over the top of the I screen. I don't see
1: any neon. I, I think that the movie is shot from Travis's point of view. I think, the, I think the city is as disgusting as he thinks it is. When he says, you know, all the animals come out at night, whores, skunks, you know, buggers, dopers. Does he really, but
0: isn't he one of them? Doesn't he, does he really think that? Why doesn't he move? Why doesn't he move?
1: What's, it, what's he going to do? Like, what's he going to do, call his realtor and put a bid on a house somewhere?
0: No, certainly not. But he could, he could live cheaply anywhere. Else. I mean, he could go somewhere else. New York at the time, is it's cheap, but it's also
1: te- terribly expensive. I mean, it's like he could just go. If you don't like it, just go. I, I don't think that that's not answering the question of what the camera's doing. The, the camera is, is in an extended tracking shot
0: that focuses um, detail to detail in not slow motion but a weird fixed motion that reminds me of the first time uh, that he sees um, uh, Betsy yeah of the first time that he sees Betsy and that that is what I'm talking about in in fugue states and I agree that it is from his point of view but I think that New York is especially in that opening tracking shot is shot very much at this at the same speed with the same exposure although one is a daylight scene and one is a nighttime scene that's the only difference but certainly with the same exposure of doing weird hazy things with light
1: I think when and the taxi comes out of the, out of the steam at the beginning, when you hear Bernard Herrmann's music, but everything about it is unsettling. I mean, it's an it's a, it's not a dream state. Well, if it's a dream state, it's a nightmare. I mean, it's compelling. You can't keep you can't take your eyes off of it. It's beautifully done, but it's it's a beautiful. I, I of think hell.
0: I think, and certainly I didn't I didn't originate this point of view that there is a real tension in. The artistry with which New York is is shot and used as a backdrop um, for aesthetic purposes, and what is in Schrader's s- screenplay? and I think that there's a, I think that there's a tension there because I don't necessarily I don't necessarily believe Travis not, not liking New York. I don't buy it.
1: Well, we could talk about that in a minute, but I, well, then we'll move on, but I would say there's, I would say it's so funny, like uh, there's no tension. I think it's almost like, it's almost like I'm um, an urban, pathetic fallacy where the buildings and the lights perfectly mirror the way that the way that Travis feels and the way he thinks about the city. I think that Travis
0: has a lot of aggression and is look and is looking for an appropriate vehicle. I think that um vehicle. I think that I think that there's a lot of people that are caught up in the fake ending, right? The, the fake ending is he shot all these people and he becomes a local hero. I don't in, in other words, I think that the film does not want you to read it the way that you're reading it because you, you know that after two hours of expose, exposure to Travis, that the newspapers have got it wrong. There's yes. a part of the story that they don't understand, they have misread the situation. And so I think, that, I think that in ugly New York, where Travis just is the only person who believes in something, is holding on to something, is willing to commit violence or commit his life to it, is, is a misreading. Um, and, and I think that that misreading is literally inside the film uh, in those newspaper headlines.
1: All right, let's talk about Travis for a bit. Let's talk about Travis. So, so he, here's my, uh, upon reviewing it, reviewing it. And by the way, I love how you said he needs a vehicle. That was very, very yeah. cute. Taxi, okay. Um, but let's talk about Travis for a minute. So it occurred to me watching it this time, I want, I want to ask you something. So you've, you know, um, you've read stuff by Flannery O'Connor. Certainly. You know, right? So it struck me of how much of a Flannery O'Connor character Travis is. And so for our listeners out there, you might know her. you know, a great 20th century um, American Catholic Southern writer. And it occurred to me that Travis is like one of her characters, like he he wants to do something, but he, he can't work it out. And her characters are all about people who aren't. She wrote about these great Catholic ideas, but her characters aren't Catholics. They don't they're just kind of like, you know, um, stuck out there in the woods and they don't know how to work out these impulses they have. So what, what occurs to me is, you know, he goes to talk to wizard and a wizard says to him, um, you know, you do a thing and that's what you are. You know, and Travis wants to do a thing to make him somebody else, whether it's like Betsy's Avenger or to save Iris or something. <clears throat> and Wizard says, like, you know, go on, get laid, get drunk, do anything. You got no choice, you know. And he says, uh, Travis goes, well, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard." And I think it's a, this movie's about a guy who wants to change the world. He can't articulate it, but but that's the core of it. So he does things like puts his hand in the fire and burns the flowers. Um, but he he wants to be Captain America or something, but he he can't he can't figure out how to do it.
0: Okay, I buy that almost, ex- except that um, there's only one thing that he's going to do, which is he's going to put a bullet in somebody. He doesn't see he doesn't see Palantine and think, "I know what I shall do. I shall run for city council, and right. and thereby, thereby effect change." In other words, um, the thing on the right side of the equal sign is set, which is I'm going to kill somebody. Mm-hmm. It's the thi- it's 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 the um, I'm looking for T.S. Eliot talking about Hamlet objective, his objective correlative. correlative uh is is what is that's where the question mark is which is why
1: yeah why um, do you think he wants to kill we understand why he kills sport but what do you think his motivation is for for trying to kill Paladin? I ha-
0: I was going to ask you the same thing which is that <laughs> last week the reason we started arguing is because you told me that Badlands was about a guy who doesn't know what he wants who's wandering the landscape who's going from place to place committing violence and um I said I think that you've been taken in by travis bickle that if you that if you if you care about Travis Bickle, that part of the appeal is y- you've done with Travis what Travis is doing with New York, which is you think, golly, that's reprehensible, but I sure would like to see it you know and that which is how I think how he feels about the city, it's why he keeps going to the dirty movies, it's why he naively takes her to the dirty movie um on the date uh by accident uh and so that that's really where the the parallel is for these two films for me which is i think travis is going to commit violence he wants a he wants a cause uh, that makes the left side of the equal sign balance the right side of the of the equal sign and the reason that he wants to kill palantine uh, as far as i can tell is because um he uh, palantine commands betsy's attention right that's what i thought because say. if if palantine called betsy on the phone she'd pick up
1: right right it's it's like it's like um it, there there he's the jilted lover but then he moves into a different role of, of you know, the, uh, the savior of children or, something, or the catcher in the rye you know, with, with, um, with an armful of guns. But you know, th- uh, that's why I wanna, I'm gonna cheat here. I know we do our moment in segment two, but just to finish this segment out. That's sure. why I think, when, um, I love it when um, when Jodie Foster tells him he's square. Yeah. He's like, I'm square. He says, I'm square. He's you're the one that's square. What are you talking about? You walk out with those creeps and low lives and degenerates and I'm square? You're the one that's square. I mean, he sees himself as opposition, in opposition to the world. Like either the world's wrong or I'm wrong, right? I'm not square, you're square, the world is square, the world is wrong and I'm gonna fix it.
0: Yes, but again, but again he only has one, there's only one mode of fixing. Fixing is always, is always leading down a, a path of violence. Yes. And so it, it seems to me that the, the, the cart is continually before the horse in this movie. And the question is what, what horse? And in fact, I think the movie works in at least two parts, you could call it three parts, but let's call it two parts. Let's call it Betsy and Iris, um, where the, the horse changes. Yes. Um, and, and, it ch- and it changes again so that I think to reinforce the point, the screenplay is written specifically that way. So you can see the horse changes without much change um, in in Travis.
1: That's what I meant by like you know he goes from the jilted lover to the to the Avenger or something that's, like that.
0: That's right. But I but those n-
1: nothing that changes on the
0: left side of the equation changes the right side of the equation, which is I'm going to kill somebody.
1: But to complicate that also, right? Th- you're talking about Travis. I mean, he's, he also strikes me, and you said before about like you know under dumb undergraduates of which we all were, you know, and that's and that we all heard about this movie and we you know watched. This I mean,
0: guys who watch. I mean, guys who watch Taxi Drivers. So oh, we were the Boondock Saints with Willem Dafoe. Okay. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Continue.
1: But but I was going to say but but also, it's more complicated than that because I think Travis is like Rorschach in um in Watchmen, I think he's like Archie Bunker, I think he's like a Satan in Paradise Lost. I mean he's somebody that you're you're supposed to be horrified by, but you kind of get seduced by them, as you watch it. Like you know Blake said you know Milton was of the Devil's party, did not know it. And Norman Lear holds up Carol O'Connor to 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 invite to get the audience to scorn him, but they all loved it when he started arguing with Meathead and stuff like that. And it's, it, it, there's something with Rorschach too. Like he's supposed to be horrifying in Watchmen, but at the same time, when he goes and finds the guy who, who, who killed the kid and stuff like that, you're not, you're not as horrified as you might be.
0: I, I'm following you and I agree. Uh, but the only thing that I can do is turn around and draw the, par- the same parallels to the city, which are, we all know what the city is. Like the right side of the equation is is not changing. I'm talking about our approach to the city. Like, I, again, I think, Paul, I think something about Schrader's screenplay on paper paints a picture that when you actually see it, does not operate. Yes, it's okay. It's it's, it's clear that you should be horrified um, by seeing the irises of the world um, walk around at one o'clock in the morning. Right. There's something about, like, and, and you could wish that that place didn't exist until you're in the city. Because it's it's, there's millions and millions of people that live there and they live there for a reason and by choice. And Travis is one of them. He's continually making the choice to be around that stimulus that's going to lead him to violence. Why? Because he doesn't want to not be stimulated to violence. He wants to be stimulated to violence.
1: All right. We'll talk about our moments in segment two. Okay.
0: Okay, welcome back, welcome to segment two. Um, we spent a long time in segment one, longer than normal, uh, talking about some of the overall themes of the, of the film and laying some arguments down. So in this segment, we like to talk about specific moments, um, you know, that are indicative of, of those themes or um, help enrich them. So Dan, did you wanna pick up with a moment here?
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, and, uh, and kudos to you for pointing out also that we don't, you know, there's so many question marks in the movie. You know, it's not, he's not Charles Bronson. It's not, that's not who he is, right? Um, but my moment is actually something that I'm, I'm sure we'll get a lot of uh, flack for, but it just has to be there. I think that there's, there's, a, there's a giant mistake in the movie. And, I, and far be it from me, little old me to say anything the thing, oh, Paul Schrader screenplay and this perfect film, all my, there's all my caveats, okay? Here's what it is. Travis is so well drawn. Like when he says, what's moonlighting? I mean, we learn more about Travis in the first five minutes of this movie than we do all of the, of the whole movie of Badlands about Kit. Um, like his blazer is great. Uh, I'm going to get organized. Like everything about him is perfect, right? Um, the one thing that I, I never bought the first time I saw the movie, the 10th time, and this week, it doesn't make any sense that he would bring Betsy to a porno. I think it's in the movie so that he can be humiliated and start to get angry and become the, the, you know, the the Travis that we've just been talking about. But it always struck me as unbelievable that he wouldn't know that he's like, oh, I see a lot of couples go in here. And even she, Betsy's like, I don't want to go and see this movie. He's like, whoa, no, no. Like he wouldn't know that you don't bring a girl to a, to a porno movie. He knows you're supposed to get flowers and dress up and ask her to go to coffee. So it's not like he, you could say, well, he just didn't know. Like he was in the Marines. like I don't believe, I never believed that. It's
0: forgive me and like far be it for me to tell you how you're watching the movie but if some if somebody just said that to me here's what i would say to them which is again i think you're deliberately misreading the first the first scene as they're as they're gliding through who drives past it a hundred times and doesn't want to go in or 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 who is not drawn to know what's going on or sees couples go in a hundred times as you drive past over And over Uh and over and over. And this is, for me, the the obsessive nature of Travis. You're right. If Travis is really as disgusted by the city as he says he is, then that shouldn't make sense. Then it shouldn't be in the screenplay. Unless, unless the reason that he chooses to be a taxi driver over and over to see the city and to drive past over and over and over and over again. Because he wants to go in, but under the same conditions as the other guys go in.
1: Yeah but he so then you you think that his you think that his um shock at her repulsion is is feigned you think that he was like using her as an excuse to go and see a dirty movie he's not that smart I didn't I didn't
0: I didn't say an excuse I'm saying that yeah I think that he lives in a fantasy world where he imagines how how it will go uh and it doesn't and it doesn't go like that but the, I agree. The, the,
1: but we all the, we've all asked women out lived in a fantasy world and said oh I hope it works out this way but at the movie the movie is set up that when you watch him call her on the payphone afterwards and you're just cringing because it's so humiliating. He's like, could you get the flowers? Oh, I guess not, and stuff like that. You know, we can do something else. We can do something. He really is surprised that she was repulsed by that. And I, I just never, bought, I think that it's in the screenplay as an objective correlative to justify what Travis does when he goes after Palantine and shaves his head and everything, but it just never struck me. As, like, he would know better. He would know that. He knows what a porno movie is.
0: Sure. What he did, what the the question mark is, how will she react?
1: He buys the record. Yeah, but he doesn't do it. She says to him, you might as well have said, let's, you know, that's what she says when they walk out. He didn't, he didn't do it for that reason. He didn't bring her there. And like, Oh, if I bring her to this porno movie, then maybe she'll want to do porno with me. Like he really, the movie wants you to think he really did think it was a harmless kind of thing. And you're supposed to be like, he's a little boy who like got made fun of in the cafeteria. But I never, I just never believed, I just never believed that 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 Travis would do that. And no, I, maybe I, I'm being a, a jerk or nitpick. No,
0: no, I'm I'm with you, and we'll, like uh, let me just transition to my moment real quick because um, mine is when he when he executes the last guy in front of in front of Iris with yeah. the bullet that's that's meant for him. Yep. And she she knows what's going on. She knows she's you know being liberated, being saved, or whatever. In other words, she knows that he's not going to shoot her. Right. But what she says is stop, 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 don't. And he's just gotta do one last one. And so that's why I think I think that seeing Travis as any kind of liberator of anything is a deliberate misreading. Because if he had if if his intention is to get her out, he's gotten her out. He's gotten her out. He could run. He could run. But he's got to do one last one because this is the this is the scenario, this is the fantasy that he's been playing over and over. You mean one last one of himself. No, he's he kill he kills the um, the guy's brother, uh, the bodyguard. Yeah, yeah, in the, yeah. In in the place, instead of you know, instead of running execution style, he just kills him. Right. Um. And that's uh, after she says no, stop.
1: Well, I think she's the, I think she's just hysterical at that moment.
0: Sure, but what she's, I'm saying is, if his if his if it's if Superman, he was going to kill
1: himself, the bullet's empty, the gun is empty. He's supposed to kill himself. He writes, by the time you read this, I'll be dead. Yeah,
0: yeah. He's gonna. So I'm, say, he, I'm think saying he when, once she's screaming, he kills he kills somebody else instead of himself, and instead of comforting her, or getting out, or saying let's go. If it's if it's a Charles Bronson movie, you know that's the <laughs> point at which he's, everybody's already gone, and he says let's
1: get out of here. I took it that he lost track, just like the viewer did. I think he loses track of how many times he's fired at the gun. He's fully ready to kill himself, but it, there's no there's no bullets left.
0: Sure, but what I'm saying is that he, the, it doesn't need to be as bloody as it is. But he's in, he's enjoying himself.
1: Oh yeah. That's why when he, when he taunts sport.
0: That's right. That's right. But so um, my point is that he can't, he's not Batman. He's not Robin Hood. No, he's not. He, he's not. He's not anything that a deliberate misreading of the film um, would, would make him out to be. And I think that that's where, we, that's where we need to start. In other words, I love this film. I love the way it operates, but I can operate and like the film without being drawn into Travis's view Um, of the world the same way as I can read the cask of Amontillado and not be drawn into, um, you know,
1: Montresor's point of view. Sure. But I mean, yeah, you're right. He's not Batman, not only because Batman would never use guns, but because, you know, think about the people who Batman goes after. Oh, actually, you know, that's a bad example because Batman, Batman would just leave them all tied up by their feet or something like that for the cops to come and get. But also the movie also, I think I, every time I think you try to nail down Travis, the movie does another little, nudge towards you because of course she is liberated he gets that letter back that letter from her from her father at the end i mean iris is liberated at the end oh yeah sure not from her though right from her no we don't know right from her
0: i'm just saying from her dad right okay right he's i mean i'm not i'm not trying to put any kind of um ism reading on this but he he kills her Pimp and it gets, then gets a letter from her dad, not from her. It doesn't say like, dear Travis, thank you for murdering those people in front of me. I am now safely in high school and having a wonderful, you know, great time.
1: Right, well, I don't think she's about to go back and join the National Honor Society. Sure. Um, or, you know, or start, start a podcast. But I mean, I think that, you know, there is some, you know, if that you could imagine if the film had him not killing people as disgusting as sport, how different it would be, right? Is I mean, is Palantine?
0: He wants to kill Palantine.
1: I agree, but I think, I think Palantine is a much less oily. I mean, when you're talking about gut reactions to characters, right? Sure, Harvey,
0: Harvey Keitel does that better than anybody
1: else. Yeah, when you see him slow dancing with Jodie Foster, it's incredible. And, and then he gets killed when he says, suck on this, and he shoots him in the stomach. You're not, you're not like in mourning for the character of sport. It's like Rorschach. That's what I meant.
0: Sure, but my, my point is that um, Travis is not, there's no justice in Travis's universe I, I don't in in other words yes you're right uh, because Harvey why does he does kill
1: sport, a, then why does he kill sport? he thinks he is acting for justice he's the real rain that's going to clean up the city streets because real he, Rain's gonna come.
0: because he for the same reason that sport picks on Jody Foster which is he's picking on somebody that um is power like that he has power over and nobody's going to miss and because he can get away with it and I think travis I think Travis kills sport because he Uh, made him feel awkward one time with, with he keeps that, he keeps that bill in his car that reminds him um, all the time. And because nobody's going to miss him and he's, uh, he's, he finds him gross. And like, yes, Travis and I can agree that sport is gross. Um, I don't necessarily know if that carries us over the line into uh, almost indiscriminately spraying bullets um, into- You know in, into people's into people's faces
1: no i do not think this movie endorses what travis does but i think it seduces you into getting closer to him and that closeness is uncomfortable and that's why the movie is so good
0: i i agree that the closeness is a, is uncomfortable and it's meant to be drawn you know when he has um who plays the guy in the back of the cab do you know who plays the guy in the back of the cab oh uh, one
1: gonna... scorsese
0: yeah right it, it's um it's a cameo right yeah uh, scorsese um, I always forget because he does the other cameo. He's outside on he's sitting outside on the, right, outside of the bench. Bed. Yep. Yeah. Um Yeah. And and again, that's that's a moment. So for, for me, that moment is a touchstone, right? Because when the guy is saying, I'm gonna do it and here's mm-hmm. why and here's why, all the time you're thinking, Well, well, don't. That's not a reason to, Right. you know what I mean? But, no, but don't. <laughs> you know. And I, I think that um you're meant to keep that moment in mind, where the guy's in the back of the cab, like, uh, here's what I'm going to do, and here's why, and here's what I'm going to do, and here's why, and here's what I'm going to do, and here's why, right? Um, for for that moment with sport, so I agree with you that that's how the movie's operating. It operates that way uh, on me, um, but I'm not so sucked into Travis's universe as to you know do you know give him a give him a fist bump? Oh, neither that, am I. You know? Neither am I. All right, Be, because because for for me, I think what you're I think what you're meant to understand from the guy who's given the monologue in the back of the cab is, is again, that it was going to come to this, that there's something neurotic uh, in, the guy's, in the guy's essence, that it was going to come to this. And here's the moment. And I feel the same way about Travis. I don't think Travis was looking for a mission, found a miss- mission, saw sport, and then decided that he was going to kill sport. I think he was thinking, I'm going to kill someone. 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 Here is the person that makes me feel the best about myself if I'm going to kill them. Here's the, here's the person that allows me to maintain my worldview and do the thing that I have to do. And that's why, that's why sport fits so perfectly.
1: That's really interesting. And so, so two little, two little thoughts on this to end up this segment. So this, that's really interesting because then the whole point is I'm going to kill somebody. So then your argument, just to clarify is from the time he goes into the cab scene in the beginning and is hired by Cheech from Godfather 2, I might add, when he, the time he goes in there, right? And he says, I can't sleep nights. I'll, I'll drive anytime, any any place, anywhere. He's already, the germ is already in him that he, I'm going to kill someone. Yes. Okay. And the second thing is that, um, that the, the, the horror of the, of the film is that, is that it withholds the motivation for why that is. And that's why he's such a fascinating, it's such a fascinating portrait. So we, don't get, we don't get the scene where we found out, like, that's what I mean. That's what I mean about the, the Betsy rejection. The Betsy rejection is not motive enough to explain why he goes. He 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 goes on his murder spree. Right, but that's right. You, the, you, the movie's more interesting than that. Yes. Okay. I'll see you in yes. part three. All right. Always be closing, Mike. Always be closing.
0: So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started.
1: Welcome back. So in segment three, we'd like to talk about the title or the ending or final thoughts about final images in the film. Mike, go.
0: Right. So just to to recap, the film has, let's call it three endings. There's the famous scene floating up um, to the to the uh, ceiling of the room, then there's, then there's the headlines. So you, you find out whether you accept that as diegetic or not as, as actually happening, that it's turned into a major newspaper story about a guy who just couldn't take being near um, a building like that and took everybody out and freed Iris. And then he's a taxi driver again, and he picks up Betsy, and he takes her where she's going, and he's smiling, he doesn't let her pay, and then all of a sudden, something in his face changes. And that's, that's the end of the movie. And so again, what I'm, what I'm gleaning from that is that part of, the, part of the, the movie contains its own deliberate misreading to keep people from thinking that Travis is a hero and, and making it clear to everybody that that has to be a misunderstanding um, of the film um, and that he's still, he's still sick. Um, you know that, that Essentially, that this movie ends the same way like A Clockwork Orange ends which is, you know, that um, he's, not, he's not cured. I was cured all right. I was cured all right. Um, and that, that things are going to continue to go. You know, one reading, I think, of the film is that what he's seeing is that maybe somebody comes out to, to greet Betsy and j- drives him crazy all over again, just like he wanted to kill, um, to kill Palantine and that the, the bug's not out of him. So what do, what do you make of the ending?
1: I make it, it's so funny because one of my notes I have here, my mental notes, was was how many times the movie ends. That the movie keeps ending and ending and ending and ending, right? Yeah, it's, so, it
0: ends more time than Return of the King. Mm.
1: <laughs> but all those endings are really interesting. So there's the first ending where he has the blood and he's and he's shooting himself with his finger, right? And the cops, of course, don't move or they just stand there, right? So that's the one ending. You get the um, the Iris' father ending. You get the newspaper thing that he happened to kill the the gangster. Who Harvey Keitel is paying off, and that's why it's all clear like oh case closed now that's of course an ending that the public would love that's mm-hmm. like you know that's like the, that's like you know here we go we're taking back the streets and stuff like that right I think a movie lover is love wants the ending where um, Iris is saved the public in the in the film wants the Avenger to come in and get rid of the criminals. you clean up our block you know that's it. he's like a Bernard Goetz or something mm-hmm. like that right um but, the, you know, the ending where he picks up Betsy again, I think that that's, again, it almost pushes it too far. First of all, she gets in his cab, and uh, if you're Betsy, you don't want Travis to know your address. You don't want Travis to know your address. That's true. And she's like, yeah, right. And at the end, you know, when he when he has no, when she has no, she's read about him in the paper. You think Betsy would get in that car? i be like, uh-oh, you know, I got to go. Like, <laughs> she's not taking that cab ride. And so... I think the film wants you to see Travis have the moral high ground at the end when he puts the meter down and says, okay, no charge. Cause you know, it's, it's like buying someone dinner or something like that. Um, and he lets it go. Travis is supposed to have the moral high ground there. Cause he says earlier in the movie, he says like, um, you know, I don't believe one should devote his life to morbid self attention. I believe one should become a person like other people. And I think maybe at the end of the movie, maybe he becomes more like, more like a person, more like other people at the end. Maybe in the way that at the end of Raging Bull, Jake LaMotta isn't cured. Um, but uh, at least he, he has a, a modicum of self-awareness.
0: So you don't think that he happens to... Okay, so look, there's, let's just get one reading out that I don't this is buy, a possibility, which is that, which is that Travis, Travis dies and then these are all, yeah, these are all that. fantasies. That's, that's, I'm, not, I'm not buying that. Yeah. Let's just assume that this all happened. Yeah. Um, in a city of over 10 million people, mm-hmm. there's only one way... That he's going to be close enough to her to pick her up in the cab, which is that he's been stalking her the entire time there's only i don't think you, the movie,
1: you, I don't think the movie suggests that I think you, they're both surprised when they get i don't think the, the, the there would have been something in the screenplay that he would have been he would have been driving by headquarters again or by Palatine's headquarters something like that
0: I, okay, I never bought that as I'm just saying I never bought that as a coincidence, and I certainly don't think um' let's say, let's say that it that it is a coincidence that he's cured of of anything i think that the that
1: coincidence is that he picks up betsy i mean that is supposed that that is a movie thing that is a coincidence so at the end you can see him being being a little bit cured all right i mean i don't think he's ready to you know i don't
0: i don't think he's i don't think the needle has moved at all otherwise um i you know it's too bad this is a podcast otherwise i I wouldn't want the frame of the last frame of his face um before the before the movie ends that's not a that's not a cured face
1: but it's not a sick face. I mean, you, don't, you, don't, you can't really, I mean, you could probably read it. It's like a Rorschach. It's like Rorschach's face. You can read it to what you want. But certainly when he puts that flag down for the meter, he, he, is, he, is, he is trying to show her, no, no hard feelings. I've got the upper hand. and, he, and he, You know, that's what the story's about. He is a, Travis is definitely supposed to be somewhat different than he was in the beginning. He comes back, he's talking to Peter Boyle. You know they'll kind of look at him. He gets in there. I don't think his face falls again. I don't think. I don't think it's like a Clockwork Orange where he's like totally back to he's going to go out and kill somebody again. You think Travis is going to kill somebody again?
0: Yes. That that's that's where that's where I'm ending, which is I think that he's lived out of a fantasy of violence. Um, and again, I'm with you that the, the movie has simply two options: is that he's either done now or he's not done now. And I'm on the side that he's that he's not done now. He doesn't treat her like she's like you know like she's any other fair. Um and just moves on. He's still in the fantasies where he's a where he's a gentleman. He is um, a
1: gentleman at the end though. I mean he does he has all his composure. I mean he's not Cary Grant, but I mean he has all this composure at the end. He ha- it's for him, that's a big he says uh, you should try to become a person like other people. And I think he's a molecule closer to being like other people at the end than he is in the beginning.
0: I think that part of what draws him into the violence is he was always going to be violent part of part of the searching for the objective correlative as you you know right um, as you put it is that betsy has to be special she's got to be outside the rules because there's still something going on with him internally that is not like other people
1: until I, though she betrays him and he says she's just like all the rest of them they they should have a union she's not she's sure. not outside until until she until she leaves him and she won't call him back and that's when he burns the flowers that's when he does his, sure. his
0: rituals sure but again, he he just can't. Travis just can't pick up a regular fare. He can't pick up a regular fare, and she, you know, it's not a regular fare for him where it's just a where it's just a job, which I think would be is, would be part of the point. So that's that that's that's where I am, and I, I guess what that action for me is not indicative of having of having moved on.
1: But he 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 had all right. I think he's literally moved on at the end. He's moved he's driven away. That's it
0: then why is he looking in the rearview mirror?
1: Because that's what you do when you drive. He's, li-
0: he's literally looking in the rear view mirror. Yeah,
1: because he's curious about her. He doesn't like he doesn't like, you know, she's not crumbs he throws away somewhere. Of course he's like kind of shocked. Of course he's gonna look and see where she goes in. But the movie the movie definitely lets Travis have the last word.
0: I think Travis thinks that he's having the last word I think yet I think yet again we're we're in the tension here is that we're in a reading where it's what Travis sees about himself versus the the truth of Travis
1: But the movie doesn't show you that the- i mean you have to use Occam's razor here all right well, at any rate, I guess we're not going to solve this today, but of course, that's probably what makes the movie so great, right
0: yeah, if you haven't seen it, you know watch- watch it again. I think that the I would say that the movie i think carries um both both readings um but you know I think it. Just try to watch it again. And definitely, yeah. if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't seen Taxi Driver in a while, uh, yeah. now's the time to rewatch it.
1: And to go back to what Mike said about the equal sign, it's not an equation, it's a portrait. That's, And that's what's interesting about it. It's a portrait of somebody rather than equation. So thanks for listening. We hope, uh, we know we went long on this one, but we hope it was worth it. P- please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And please, please rate and review the show. We'd really appreciate it. Thanks for listening.